Life is one big awkward situation, and the more you embrace it, the smoother it'll go. Any, ever heard anybody say that before? Probably not, because I came up with it. Uh, <laughs> unless you're one of the teens at Epic, maybe you guys have heard me say it at Epic before, but this is a life motto of mine. Now, life is one big, just awkward situation, and if you just learn to roll with it, it'll go smoother. Now, you might go, Pastor, that's ridiculous, and um, maybe it kind of works for you. And it, it, does, it, goes, it goes all right. And, and while it may just be a, a Pastor A-ism, um, I do think, actually, as we get into this lesson today, there's something to this, to embracing and preparing for and even seeing the beauty of when things get a little awkward. And I'm not necessarily just talking about just regular, general, awkward conversations. I'm talking about when, when Jesus, in your life of faith, causes some discomfort. Or when Jesus, in your life of faith, makes it so that it can be kind of hard to handle. Because the truth is, that will happen. Right? Jesus will make us a little uncomfortable at times. His word should make us uncomfortable sometimes. What he does, when it encounters our real life can kind of throw things off for us and it should. Today we're gonna go to a lesson, go to a scene where, where, where Jesus is really difficult for people to handle. It makes them really uncomfortable. And as we see this scene, we can embrace what's ahead of us. This warning awkward moment. The lesson we have it's Mark chapter six verses one to three. It says Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When a Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did he, this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense. Now, with this lesson today, we're continuing forward with this series throughout the Epiphany season. Where almost the entire season we are going through the Gospel of Mark. Everything except for the final lesson will be from this Gospel. So we've been going through these, these various scenes where Mark has been describing Jesus doing amazing things and then talking about the way, uh, well, showing us the way people respond to him. Many of what we've seen, much of what we've seen Jesus do has been in the area of Capernaum, which became his kind of new hometown during his ministry. It was the, the headquarters for his ministry. Last week with our lesson, Jesus had sailed with his disciples, really kitty corner across uh, Lake Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. There where he, he healed a man who was possessed by many demons, where it was, he said his name was Egypt, because there were so many of them. Well, after that event, Jesus went back up to this kind of hometown territory, not hometown, new home-based territory. And then after that, we have the account of Jesus doing a couple of pretty well, every healing is amazing, but there's something really beautiful about this, uh, this pair of healings that we have here. Jesus was traveling, and a man comes and tells Jesus that his daughter's sick near death, his 12-year-old daughter. As Jesus is in route, there's this woman who's had this, this weed for 12 years, and she reaches out and touches Jesus, hoping maybe she'll get healed, and sure enough, she does. And there's that beautiful line where Jesus looks at her and calls her daughter and says, your faith has healed you. She's healed. Jesus goes on, heals that 12-year-old, well, raises that 12-year-old girl actually back to life. Because she had died. Jesus again and again does these beautiful miracles. It's after these miracles that we get to our lesson today, where we get to this awkward moment where Jesus really makes things uncomfortable and where Jesus is really hard for some people to handle and to hang on to. 
With a lesson today, Jesus had gone on another road trip. This time he went back to his original hometown. I guess maybe not original, being born in Bethlehem, but where he really grew up. Uh, the word hometown there, you could really translate it really as his fatherland. This is where his, his, his father's from, his mom's from. They went back to the town of Nazareth. So here they are back in this town where Jesus grew up. And when he's there in that town, the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Okay, so, so far, so good. Jesus is back in his hometown. You might think this is a great reunion. You know, it's kind of fun to go back and see people from where you grew up and everything. They even have him teach in a synagogue. So far, so good. They're amazed. But there's something behind this amazement that's a bit different from the other. They ask the question, where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Even here, these questions don't necessarily seem bad at first. Like, where did he get this wisdom? Like, where does this come from? Where, how does he do these miracles? I mean, no doubt they've heard about the things he'd been doing, how he just healed these girl, that girl and the woman who had the bleed. No doubt they've heard about all these amazing things. They recognize that he has wisdom, and they know he's doing miracles, which makes what's about to happen all the more stunning, which helps us understand why after our lesson, we're told that Jesus was amazed at their life. Because they, at this point, they recognize that Jesus speaks with wisdom. They recognize that he's doing miracles, and yet he becomes very hard for them to I think that's really significant. I, I know for me sometimes reading in the past, like, oh, they didn't believe he could do it. No, that's not what it is. They know he's wrong. They know he's doing miracles. And yet, he still makes them really uncomfortable. He still becomes really awkward for them so much that they can't help. We're told that when they ask this question, these questions, isn't this a carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Brother James, Judas, and Simon, Aren't his sisters here with us? That all this leads to them taking offense. They know he's wise. They hear the wisdom. They know he's doing miracles, and yet they take offense at him. Or more literally, it says that they stumbled over him. Kind of like when we just had that background lesson from uh, Peter, talked about Jesus being that, that rock that causes stumbling, that stumbling block. That's the idea here. They stumbled over Jesus. Even though they recognized that he was full of wisdom and doing miracles, they stumbled over. What was going on for these guys? Like, what was it that made Jesus so hard for them to handle? Well, one of the things that they say right out is that he's he's a carpenter. Like, isn't this guy the carpenter? And by the way, the word more literally it, it means it means builder. So he's not just necessarily woodwork. He he, he builds things. And so. They, they say, isn't he the carpenter? Is that, maybe that means that they're like, well, he's a carpenter. He's not trained to be a teacher. This doesn't make any sense to us. This guy's a carpenter. Or maybe like they were so, maybe he was really good at being a carpenter. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe it's so ingrained in their mind that he's one way that to see him in another light is really hard. Have you ever seen a movie like where someone plays like to be a villain? And then in another movie, they try to have them be the good guy. And it's super weird. Because it's like, no, 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 I don't like you. Like, you can't make me like you in this movie because I just really didn't like you in the other movie. You know, maybe it's that kind of thing. Like, in their minds, he's the carpenter. So, no, you're not the 
teacher? Like, what is this? I don't know. Whatever it is, there's something with this carpenter detail that is a hang-up for them. They also talk about his family. You know, isn't he the son of Mary? You know, aren't his brothers here with us? They know his family. They're around his family. Apparently his family is a hang-up for them. Makes you wonder what Jesus' family was like. I sometimes wonder this way. What, what were the dynamics in Jesus' household growth? Right? Like, how were things with their siblings? And, yeah, sometimes, um, you know, it, God willing, this won't be the case in my house, but sometimes pastors kids are known to be super rebellious. Um, I am really hoping that's not the case. It, it wasn't for me growing up. I was a very good um, <laughs> My siblings, eh, maybe not as much. And uh, I suppose <laughs> my older siblings, I don't know what, anyway, sorry. Um, you know, I wonder, like, with some of Jesus' siblings, like, were they even rebelling so much? Like, if your brother is, is, is so well-behaved, like, does that actually bring out in you some more, like, you know, frustration? You know, I don't know. Like, it's really interesting to ponder the family dynamic of Jesus. And could it be that somebody knowing Jesus' family could be like, there's no way their brother is, we, we can't accept I don't, you know, I don't know. Like these are things, these are things for us to ponder, not never to walk away with and go, God's word says it specifically this. What God's word does say is that his family was a hang-up. And then we are left to kind of meditate on what about his family? The fact that they know his family is it. What about that was a hang-up for them? Something for us to ponder. There's a couple other things that we should probably keep in mind too, just as we think about this, is is they saw him grow up. Back uh, the second weekend in Christmas, we talked about 12-year-old Jesus. They saw a little boy Jesus. They saw a baby Jesus. They saw a little boy Jesus. They saw um, adolescent Jesus. They saw him probably in walking awkwardly, and maybe his voice, you know, squeaked apparently from time to time, you know, as things do, as you grow up, right? And then to think of that guy as doing miracles and having this wisdom, maybe that was just really hard wrap your head around. There's also one other detail that we should also keep in mind, and we get this insight from John chapter 7, is that there was a common idea in Jesus' day that nobody would know where the Messiah was from. A very common, common thought. And so was the very fact that they knew him then an issue? Well, hey, we're not supposed to know where he's from. We know where he's from. What's going on? It could, could be any number of those things. Maybe it's a combination of those things. But it, it, there's, there's, there's something else as I ponder this week that I know at least, at least came up for me and, and struck out for me as I think about what makes this so hard for them, why they can't, can't seem to handle Jesus. The thing that stuck out for me is that those things that are familiar to us tend to bring us comfort, right? I was actually... It's kind of funny this when Ruthie was awake and she had Daniel Tiger on and it's hard to face on Mr. Anyway, and there was this whole thing in there. The whole theme today was for the kids, if you go somewhere unfamiliar, find something that you know and it'll be familiar for you. It'll help you feel more comfortable in your new setting. You know, so find find something that is familiar, latch on to it because it brings comfort. Talking about it this morning at Daniel Tiger. Here it is in the sermon. I did not write the sermon based on Daniel Tiger. It just kind of goes together this morning. What's familiar is comfortable. Jesus is very familiar to them, right? They, he, they watched him grow up. They know his family. 
They know his town. They know all these things. He's very familiar to them. And now this one who's familiar to them is shaking it up. This guy they thought they knew as the carpenter, whoa, as a teacher. This guy they thought was, they, they saw him grow up and just seemed like an everyday guy is doing miracles. And this thing that is familiar to them is no longer familiar. And when you take away what's familiar, you know what happens? Discomfort. If what's familiar to you gets rocked, really uncomfortable. And what do we tend to associate discomfort with? Awkward. Things that are hard for us to handle. And when we think about awkward, maybe sometimes we just think about the discomfort side of it, but also think about how you ever try to move a piece of furniture or something, and it's not necessarily that heavy, but you need a second person to help. Why? Because it's just too awkward for you to wrap your arms around or keep your hands under. You can't quite get Jesus here disturbs the familiar, brings discomfort. And this situation becomes very awkward when they don't know how I don't, when I think about it that part, I think maybe that stuck out to the future. I get that. Like I get how hard it can be when something's familiar to you, it's disturbed. And then you become really uncomfortable and you're not sure how to handle it. I get that. And my guess is that you get that too, where you're in, in an unfamiliar situation. Um, if you need a, an example, just think of every time you get a new cell phone. Right? <laughs> or, or new, like a new computer or whatever, right? And you have new something new to learn. And usually this is maddening for people. Maybe not you. Maybe you're good at adjusting the pain. But a lot of people just want the familiar. When we disturb the familiar, it's uncomfortable and it's hard to handle. I get that. And I also get it when it comes to my faith. I want to ask you today. Where has Jesus made things awkward for you? Like where has Jesus caused discomfort? by disturbing what is familiar, and in doing so, makes things hard for you to handle. You might think, oh, Pastor, I, some of you, I know you were baptized as a baby just like I was, and maybe you're like, church is really familiar to me. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm used to this, it's familiar to Some of you maybe are, are newer to the faith, um, but some of you have been around it for a while, so maybe, maybe it, you're like, it's, it's familiar. And yeah, maybe so in some ways, but I'm not talking about going to church or taking part in church events or things like that. I'm talking about those things that are more familiar. I'm talking about those things, that way that you approach the day when you wake up in the morning. Something that familiar, that fundamental. When you get up in the morning, are you thinking about God and giving praise to him that he gave you another day? Or, or are you thinking about what you want to do today? How do you think about it? I'm talking about the way that you approach every person that you interact with and whose perspective you see them from. I'm talking about the way that you act with those people that you see each and every day, that you wake up in the morning and, and they're there and you see them later in the day and they're there and you go to bed and they're there. I'm talking about your, those people close to you and how you approach those people. I'm talking about when you go about your day and if somebody does something you don't like, do you, the, way, the way you respond to that. Do you get prideful and angry and spiteful, or how, how do you interact with them? Those situations. I'm talking about where you 
define your confidence when it comes to your future and your plan. Talking about where you find your, your, your purpose and your work, these things that are very fundamental to you. Talking about these And the truth is, even if you're familiar with the church, I know you are familiar. What is familiar to you when it comes to these things are some things that are that Jesus came to disrupt. I know that because we're all naturally born as people who don't do things God's way. We're all born naturally as people who, who do things our own way. We have this sinful nature, and what is familiar to the sinful nature is not what God wants. And so Jesus came to disturb those things. And when Jesus comes to disturb those things, he's awfully hard to You've probably been looking and noticed this thing over here this uh, this morning and been wondering, what is this have to do with the church? This is a set of, and I see young families here at Kesh. Do you guys know what these are? Anyone? Yeah? They're called magnetiles. They're super cool. They're magnetic. They connect in Ruthie just loves them. I think Stella likes them as much as um, They're just, they're, they're fun to build with. You know, and when I, I, I asked Ruthie to come in and she built this yesterday in like 45 seconds. And, um, you know, when I, 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 you look at this, it's really easy. To, like, even though this is kind of like the flashy part, this little propeller, it's really easy to move this. Not, not hard to adjust. But if I try to move this one down here, it's really hard, right? This base one, like the whole thing starts moving. It's, it's much more challenging to move the base. And here's the thing is I think sometimes as Christians, we're, we're, we're comfortable with Jesus changing things that are maybe a bit more visible. You know, like it's really just to say, okay, I'm going to start going to church sometimes. That's good. Really simple thing to do. I'm going to avoid certain outward sins and things. Like, okay, like that's, that's, that's okay. But I think it's when Jesus comes and disrupts the really familiar things, those really foundational things in our lives, that it's really hard for us. And it becomes really awkward. Because it shifts everything. And everything's fixed. But the thing is, Jesus came to disrupt those things. Jesus came to disrupt the way we think about the day. Like when we get up in the morning, who do we think about? What are we doing? Jesus came to disrupt how we approach people, that we stop looking at people from our own perspective and we look at them from God's perspective. Jesus came to, to, to disrupt the way we re react when there's conflict in our, in our homes and our, our families, that, our, that he came to disrupt us. So instead of thinking about me and, and getting back, that rather I show forgiveness and patience and love, Jesus came to disrupt where I found my satisfaction before, where I found my identity before. Jesus came to disrupt who I depend on, that I don't depend on my bank account anymore or my plans for the future, but I depend on him. Jesus came to disrupt all that. And when he disrupts those really foundational things, it gets really awkward for us. And sometimes really hard for us to handle. When you disrupt what's familiar and foundational, sometimes your whole view of the world falls. And I wonder if that's what happened here with Jesus. They know him. He's so familiar. To have this familiar face be a miracle work can't handle that. When it threatens your whole view of the world, sometimes you just 
can't do it. And sometimes for us, perhaps we're not willing to let Jesus, maybe we're willing to take care of, where's the propeller? We're ready to go change the outward things here. But when it comes to the foundational things, sometimes we trip up. We don't really want Jesus to change. But know that Jesus came not to just change outward stuff. You know, there's a lot of things in life that you can get fixed, you can change, and you can you can you can go on you can go on trips and you can do all these nice things and you can enjoy all these different things. But at the end of the day, they don't actually get to what's wrong. They don't actually help. Jesus didn't come to just just change outward stuff. He didn't just come to change the easy things. He came to change the fundamental. He came to change the familiar. He came to be a carpenter, to be an everyday average person in so many ways, but different in certain ways. Different in the way that he taught, different in the way that he healed, but also different in the way that he actually is everything you and I were meant to be. Not always flashy or anything like that, looking every day and familiar, where he always obeyed his father, always loved the people around him, always was a walking picture of God. Jesus came to fix this and heal us fundamentally, to change the familiar in us. Now, when he comes and he disturbs the familiar, one of the beautiful things about Jesus is he doesn't just rock our whole worldview. He also takes the pieces that are left onto him. When Jesus came, he, he came to live that life we were meant to live, to change things familiar for us by taking every one of these pieces, every one of these ways that we've fallen short, to take them onto himself and to absorb all the pain that comes as a result, all the justice, he took it to the cross and he paid for it. He died for it. So just like that worldview came to an end, now as he rose again on Easter Sunday, he could build us up new. He could build us up with a new way of living, a new way of seeing life. He can make it so that someday we can actually live with God in a world the way it was meant to be and actually live with God the way we are meant to Jesus came to change us fundamentally, to build us in the middle. So today's lesson gives us an encouragement to embrace that awkward moment, to embrace that Jesus came, Jesus came to build us up new again. I built it the wrong way. I build it too big, so you want to be able to see it. See, how did you do that? And that's the thing as we think about you coming to build it up again. Is, is there's a reason why I asked Ruthie to help me? Is uh, I knew I needed to ask the expert how to build a good tower, right? When you think about this awkward moment, when you talk to anybody breaking the awkwardness, it might be awkward and hard for us to handle people the fundamental things of our life. But the beauty of the Christian faith is that Jesus doesn't just say, okay, now build yourself a new power. Figure out a new life. The whole point of the Christian faith is that we recognize that we can't do it ourselves. We've got to ask the next. Jesus has done it for us by paying for us. 
Jesus has given us new life by rising again. And it's Jesus who sent his spirit to change those fundamental parts of us. And so we can embrace that. It can be uncomfortable. You know, as we think about today differently, as we start to try to treat people differently, as we start to try to live differently, it can be really uncomfortable. And it may even be hard for people around us to embrace as well. I mean, remember that lesson from First Peter. It talks about Jesus being that, that living stone whose people stumbled over and we're built on him. So people stumble over Jesus. They're going to stumble over us too sometimes, right? It can be really uncomfortable. But it's exactly what we need. You want to see Jesus's glory in your life. Sometimes it'll show up in a really flashy way, but many times we need to actually just look at those ways where He's making us really uncomfortable, in those ways where He's changing us fundamentally, in the ways where He is making us more and more like Him, in the ways that He is giving us a taste. There's a life in the world to come that's fundamentally a life where we finally see God, we can be with God and appreciate and enjoy God the way we were meant to. We can finally be the people we were meant to. Jesus came to change the familiar, to change the fundamental, to make us entirely new from the ground up. So today, let's embrace what we see here. Let's embrace the warning of the awkward.